My name is Pastor Gary, and I am the interim senior pastor here, and I want to welcome you here this morning, those who are visiting us. Pastor Ken, who has participated, is well on his way to recovery, and we're excited about that. And so uh, God is working in his life, but I'm enjoying being Aaron, uh, the babysitter, and waiting for Daddy to come home. So this morning we've had some glitches, and, and I want to say to you, oh, there's another glitch. Lost my notes. We've said the story of Jesus today in so many, <coughs> in so many, <coughs> excuse me, in so many ways. I want to quickly read you just a little passage of Scripture, and then I want to share three simple things with you. I'm not going to give you a long message today because I forgot my notes, but I am going to tell you something that I believe God has taught me this week, and that is we often think that there are many commandments to remember that Jesus gave us to remember. But I tell you, there was only one. Jesus did not command us to remember his birth. He did not command us to remember his baptism. But he did command us to remember his death and resurrection. He commanded that at the last supper he had with his disciples. And I want to read you from that point on. We, we were here on, on, on Friday, and we, we heard the story, and we, we remembered the, the cross. John chapter 20. On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the tomb had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciples started to, to, for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked, at, he bent over and looked in at the striped strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand what the scriptures understand from the scriptures that Jesus had risen from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels, white, seated there. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've laid him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not recognize him at that moment. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have crucified him, if you have carried him away, 
Tell me where you have put him, and I will go to him. Jesus said, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in aromatic, Rabboni, Rabboni, teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. But go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father to my God and to my God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the story. Simple little story. Some amazing things come from that story for me. Number one, it's interesting for me to note that the first person that Jesus made himself visibly and appeared visibly to was a woman. Not a man, not one of his disciples, but a woman. That needs to challenge us in the 21st century church about what it means for women in our churches and in our leadership and in our ministries. But let me get back to my thought. I titled my message this way that I lost to a day to remember. Three things I want us to remember today. The first one is the empty cross. And what does the empty cross mean to us? We've heard about it in the children's story. We've heard the choir sing about it. We've heard our, our worship leader proclaim it from the Word of God. The empty cross simply means for us that we are forgiven of our sin. The empty cross can be captured in one word, forgiven. When Jesus died on that cross, the last thing he said before he was taken down from that cross was tetelestai, it is finished, it is paid. It is done. Sin. That's not a word that you hear very often anymore. It's somewhat not politically correct. And even to the church, we try to diffuse it a little bit by using words like failing to be what God wants us to be or failing to do what God wants us to do. The reality is, my brothers and sisters, sin is sin. It's an abomination to God. But on that cross, that abomination was dealt with. And it was paid for. Take a quick picture in your mind of the cross. Look at the head of the cross. And see the blood stains from the thorns that were smashed down on his skull. Look out to the edges of the cross member. And see the blood stains from the scars in his hands. Look at the, the, the main beam of the cross that is saturated with blood from his scourging and from the spear that was punctured into his side by the soldiers to see if he was dead. He was dead. But before his death, he covered sin. The book of Revelation talks about two books. The book of life and the worldly book. 
But before the cross, there was only one book that had all of our names written in it. Every one of us, you, me, and everyone. The person sitting beside you, in front of you, behind you, and across that name was written, guilty, guilty, guilty. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. We have sinned. But after the cross was empty, God took that book, and in the book of light, He wrote across there, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven by the blood. That's what the empty cross means. That's what we need to remember. Secondly, the empty tomb. The empty tomb. I have a great imagination, and I have no idea what I would have thought when, if I were Peter. I kind of am like Peter. I'm a simple, probably funny kind of Christian. The Bible to me is very simple. I don't try to make it complicated. I'm a kind of a Christian with rough edges. I'm like Peter, and I often wonder what he would have thought, what would I have thought. But it was empty. And Jesus wasn't there. And the empty tomb means for us resurrection. It means resurrection, not only for Jesus, but it means resurrection for you and I. It means if we understand the empty cross and our sinfulness, then the empty tomb is our resurrection unto new life, unto new birth, as the Bible puts it. Born again, as Billy Graham would say. Born from above. It's resurrection. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is Easter Sunday, is the resurrection reticate? Re, <clears throat> well, now I lost my train of thought. Plan B. <laughs> is the resurrection reticate? Can't even say the word. Is it just words? Or is it reality? Is it rhetoric? Our car was getting it for me. Is it rhetoric or is it reality? See, rhetoric means that we have heard the story, we understand the story, we have watched it over the years, but our life isn't changed. Our eternal destiny isn't changed. That's when the resurrection is Kara said it. But reality is that the resurrection is restoration and resurrection for us. Unto new life here on earth and unto eternal life in the future. The resurrection takes the sting of sin from our lives and the sting of death from our reality. Third thing, the empty burial clothes. The empty burial clothes. 
the clothes that lay in the empty tomb. What do they represent for us? That in Jesus Christ, there is salvation. The old passes away and the new begins. The old passes away and the new begins. You see, my, my friends, my church, Ken's church family, my adopted family, many of you understand that. But sometimes I sense on Easter Sunday that there are those who come to church on Easter Sunday because they have a knowledge of Jesus and what Easter is all about. But they haven't been resurrected yet. They haven't come to that place that they understand the cross covered their sin. They haven't come to the place with, with the empty tomb. They can be restored in God's eyes. And you can become his child and receive all the benefits and the joy and the power of God in your life. And they don't understand that they can be changed. You know, in some ways, I'm glad I lost my notes. Because it, it has set me free to do this. I don't know who you are this morning. I look out and I know some of you are guests. But in my spirit, in my spirit, I sense you've been struggling for some time about what this faith means. What does it mean? Jesus said, come to me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come all you who are fearful of what the days lie ahead for you and I will give you rest. I'm going to ask our praise team to come this morning. No, I'm not going to lead. I'm going to ask our praise team to come. But I'm going to ask something else on Resurrection Sunday. I'm going to ask something very bold. Something very uncommon in the Baptist church, to which I've been a part of for many years. If you're here this morning, man, woman, or child, and you would like to have a relationship restored with Jesus today. You'd like to finally let go of all the things that have been holding you back from the reality of the resurrection, and your life has been filled with the rhetoric of the resurrection. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. I don't know you, but I can say I love you.
I don't understand where you are in your pilgrimage of life, but I believe God is talking to you right now. The resurrected Lord Jesus, by His Spirit, is falling upon you. And you know it inside. Your heart is pounding. You've got Velcro butt. You've got your arms tied to your... Oh, he might ask me to do something. You're right, I am. As we sing these final songs, which are glorious songs, if you would like to become connected to the resurrected Savior today, on this Easter Sunday, make it your resurrection Sunday. And I'm going to be here with my trusty staff. And as we sing that song, and those of you who know Jesus rejoice with the song, but those of you who want to be resurrected, I would like you to come forward and be with me. I want you to come forward and be with me. And together, we will seek Jesus and your resurrection. Because of that freedom that Pastor Gary's talking about, because our shame can be fallen and our chains can be gone, that gives us a reason to sing. Sing to a God that we can say thank you to, that we can be grateful for, and that we can just worship and lift up his name. Let's sing to him. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Let's sing that again. Oh, 
shall 